Right? Psalms, the, the 91st chapter, starting at verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. I want to talk about that tonight. Would you sit your Bible down for just a moment and lift both of your hands to heaven? And I wonder if right now, if you would just call on the name of the Lord. Lord, we love you. God, you are worthy to be praised. Lord, we thank you for the presence, the sweet presence of peace and refuge that is in this house. Lord, we thank you that we're two or three agree that you're gathered here in the midst of us, that you're here with us. Lord, that you see us where we're at. We love you, Lord. We hold fast on your promises. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I, I too, give honor to my wife tonight. I'm glad that she's with me. And, and we've been able to spend a couple of days with family. And we have thoroughly enjoyed being here in these special moments. This, this is a special place. And while we know that, that our bodies are the temple of a living God, the Bible also instructs us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And, and this is a place of assembly. It, it is a place of refuge. It is a place of safety. And as we read tonight these words of the psalmist in the 91st chapter, we, we read these words of refuge as, as he speaks what it is that the presence of God means to him. And in beautiful metaphor, and in beautiful Old Testament language, we're given this picture of the shelter that is given us by God's presence. Does the Lord have wings and feathers? Well, I don't have the authority to say that tonight. But I do have the authority to say that, that what the psalmist was describing was describing an outstretched form of shelter that came from God. That when in proximity to the Lord, he didn't have to fear, he didn't have to worry. I, I love that song right before I, I came up tonight. Why should I worry? Why should I fear? When I don't have enough, my God is more than enough. And, and, and we know that to be true tonight. The, the prophet Isaiah said it in the 25th chapter and 4th verse. He, he said, for thou hast been a strength to the poor. 
a strength for the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Our God is a refuge. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. And this idea, this idea of his refuge, this idea of, of sanctuary is one that we find in Scripture, but we also find a historical presence where Scripture has influenced culture. And, 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 and tonight I'm going to talk to you just for a few minutes about sanctuary. We, when we speak of sanctuary... We, we speak of a place, a coming together of where, where we gather, where we pray, where we worship and call upon the name of the Lord. But from this old world concept of sanctuary is this idea that the Lord is our shelter. That, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and that the righteous run into it and they are safe. And, and we find that, that as this has woven its way into our culture, that this idea of sanctuary has been ever present. When, when we look at historical and classical cases of sanctuary, we, we find that that once enslaved men and women of bondage, when fleeing oppressors, they, they could take refuge in the sanctuary. When they would enter into the sanctuary, whatever was afflicting them, chasing them, oppressing them, couldn't come into the sanctuary. Whatever debts that were owed, while owed outside of the sanctuary, those debts had no precedence in the sanctuary. Whatever the will or the agenda of the afflictor, whatever his jurisdiction, he had no authority inside of the sanctuary. The sanctuary was of a different authority. The sanctuary was of a different jurisdiction. The sanctuary's authority superseded outside authorities. You, you can view that concept of, of sanctuary as almost a, we, 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 we see in, in Washington, D.C., where countries will, sit, will, will set up diplomats and, and they will have places of refuge for their citizens. And when you walk inside of that embassy, you are in the United States but you're no longer in the United States. You, in, in one sense, I liken it to the scripture that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Even as he was in this world and he is not of this world. That citizens are able to go into these embassies and they're able to find sanctuary. And when in that sanctuary, when in that embassy, they are not under the laws of, of the country where that embassy is established, they are under the laws of the country that that embassy represents. And, and ladies and gentlemen, the house of God is a sort of embassy. 
we're not citizens of this world. We render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and we render unto God what is God's. We are, we are in the world, and we are not of the world. And so when we come into the house of God, when we come into the presence of God, we have no reason to fear what's happening outside of these walls. We don't need to be afraid of, of, of what's happening. In, in fact, even when someone is to commit legitimate crime and they run into the embassy of their country, they cannot be indicted by that nation that that embassy is in. That, that crime has to go through the due process of their country. I'm glad that when, when, when my judgments are brought against me, that I go through the due process of pleading the blood. Amen. Because there's a process to this thing. And, and when the world will say that I'm guilty, and, and when the world will say, you know what, the, the reality of it is the wage of sin is death. That's the wage that I owe. But there's a due process when I'm a citizen of heaven. And I've got an opportunity. We sing the song, I plead, I plead the blood. And, and, and what I love about that idea of pleading the blood is it's an alternative. I'm not pleading guilty, though I am guilty. And I'm not pleading innocent because I surely am not innocent. I'm pleading the blood because he took on my guilt and, and he took on my debts and he took on my shame, and, and he lived the life that I was not able to live, and, and he died the death that I should have died, and he paid the price that I should have had to pay. I plead, I plead the blood. I'm thankful for the blood tonight. We find cases even as recently as in 2018 under Dutch law, the police and law enforcement agencies are not allowed to enter into a church sanctuary as long as that church is in session. As long as they are having service, the police are welcome to occupy the outside exterior of the, of the congregation of the church. But until service is dismissed, they're not allowed to pursue. They're not allowed to come inside of the sanctuary. They're not allowed to, to act on an arrest warrant. They're not, they're not allowed to, to act in any capacity until that service has been dismissed. And in 2018, a family fleeing from Dutch immigration enforcement found themselves running into a sanctuary. And as they ran in, they said, you got to help us. We're, we're about to lose everything. We're, we're about to be deported back to our country. We don't want to go back to that country. We don't want to go back to that way of living. We, we found something here that we want, and we just need more time. We, we, we need to figure some things out first, and, 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 and you've got to do something to help us. And... The local authorities and, and, and ministers of that, that parish, they said, okay, we're going to do something for you. And as, as 
law enforcement, immigration officers, as they come busting through that door, they found that in these odd hours and in these odd times that this church was still in session. And what had happened was that the leadership of that congregation decided, okay, we, we, we've got a loophole here. As long as we are in, in service, as long as we're in session, there's nothing they can do. And, 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 and we'll feed you, we'll clothe you, you can, you can use our facilities, you can sleep on the pew, but, but what we're going to do for you is we're going to continue having church. And for 96 days, now you think we have a lot of church. You think that, that, that a week revival, four-day, five-day revival is a lot of going to church. These, these, the poor leadership of this local parish, they, they must have been trading on and off because it was 24 hours a day. It was seven days a week for 96 days. They were in session. And eventually... The immigration agency said, okay, all right, we, we, we can't do this. We're going to give them more time. We're going to let them go. We're going to let them figure out their papers. We're going we're gonna to give them more time to go about their, their living here in a legal manner. And, and, and that, that element of sanctuary, that, that reality of, of constantly being in the presence of God was a protection to them from, from being sent back to the way they once lived and, and sent back to the place that they had come from. And, 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 and this, is, this is such a beautiful idea. You know, David said, he said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou has been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I, I will abide in thy tabernacle. Not weekly. David said forever. You see, David had a revelation that the tabernacle was not an occasional visit. David, David had a, a, a pre-New Testament concept, a revelation from God, an understanding that, that, that God's intention was to put his presence on the inside of us and, and that his true desire was not that we would rend our garments in repentance, but the scripture says, rend your hearts. The, the, the true desire was not that we would just give a sacrifice of of, of animals, but that we would give a sacrifice of praise. That we would lay down our life. And, and we find this concept of, of refuge, of asylum. In, in, in modern language, we, we often hear of terms like, like political asylum. That if someone is to flee a country, whether for war or terror or, or, or false accusation, they can flee to another country and claim asylum. This is why often when, when people are fleeing government entities, they'll flee to Mexico or they'll flee to Canada or, or they'll attempt to go to South America because they're trying to, 
to get there as quick as possible and say, and, and, and claim sanctuary. You've got to help me. This is a false accusation. I, I need you to protect me. This, this I, don't, I don't deserve what it is that they're saying that I deserve. You've got to give me sanctuary. And, and the, the old world idea of this, it, it pulls from, from this, this ancient construct, and, and we find it even in, in Western mythology. It, 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 it did not, there's not, there, there, there are not cases of it taking place in the, in the wild, wild west. But you'll find often in those storylines that they're, they're so heavily influenced by these this, these, these older medieval times of, of claiming sanctuary that you'll find the old outlaw that, that's running from the marshal. He can run into the sanctuary and he can cry mercy. And, and they'll camp outside of the sanctuary. They'll, they'll aim their guns at the windows of the sanctuary. But there's only so much that they can do when that old outlaw cries sanctuary. And, and we find even that how many of us have been to an animal sanctuary, to a plant, a plant sanctuary. In, in, a, in a plant sanctuary, you can't, you can't dig there. You can't plant there. You can't pick something up and move it. You're not supposed to touch a stick and toss it across the yard. You're, you're, you're supposed to allow the natural processes of that ecosystem to occur untouched, unaffected. And, and, and in fact, there are sanctuaries that are so protected, they don't even allow foot traffic. There, there are sanctuaries that are so protected, they have said, we're not going to allow any outside influence to alter, to change, to obstruct this ecosystem from being able to flourish. And Tonight, I've, I've, I've not come to, to give you a science lesson so that you can leave here knowing a little bit more history and a little bit more of science and leave here understanding what a sanctuary is. But, I, but I've come here tonight to parallel this with what it is that the Lord offers us. Because when I come into the presence of an almighty God, I, I don't have to worry what has followed me up to that place. And, and do not kid yourself. Things will chase you up to that place. I, I can have the hounds of hell chasing me, but when I get in the presence of God, those things can no longer pursue me. Here's what I'm saying tonight. I'm saying that we cast our burdens upon the Lord. I, I, I'm saying tonight that, that when fear is gripping my spirit, that all I've got to do is to get into the presence of an almighty God. And, and while fear might have dominion in this world, and, and while the devil might be the prince of, of the power of, of this air, when I get into the presence of God, there's another prince. Hallelujah. There's another king. There's another authority. In fact, that scripture, you know, it's often misquoted. People say, they say the devil is the prince 
and the power of the air. And the assumption is that that this devil has some kind of authority over air, over atmosphere, over... There, there have been people, you know, in old times, they, 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 when, when radio was a new concept, there were, there were old preachers that would say that we got to be careful with radio because the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And, and, and while in sincerity they, they preached those things and, and they protected their people to, to the extent that they felt compelled to do so, we find what the scripture actually says is that the devil, he's the prince of the power of the air. And it doesn't say he's the king of the air. It says that he's the prince. Now, now as far as I know, princes don't have authority unless kings are removed from kingship. When kings are removed from king, kingship, then we can talk about the authority the prince has. But as long as there's a king that sits in the seat of authority... I don't got to worry about the devil being the prince of the power of the air because God's got kingship in my life. God's got kingship in my home. God has authority. He sits on the throne of my mind. He, he sits on the throne of this congregation. Hallelujah. He, he sits on the throne of my praise. And so I'm not worried about the devil and the devil's jurisdiction because I'm in the world and not of the world. Hallelujah. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So whatever it is that has jurisdiction out here, I've got a God that has greater jurisdiction and greater authority. Hallelujah. I've got a God living on the inside of me that gives me power over death, hell, and the grave. Wait, wait, wait a minute now. How, how, can, how can a God have power over death, hell, and the grave? Those are natural elements. Surely we're, we're, we're all under the influence of death and, and hell and the grave. Surely we're all under the jurisdiction. Everybody's going to face death. But, but we serve a God, a God that overcame death, a God that overcame hell, a God that came up out of the grave, hallelujah, and a God that said, hallelujah, that the same spirit which raised Christ from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. How is that so? Because he's got authority over this world's authority. The, the idea that God does miracles is not some ooky, spooky, woo-woo idea. It's not some strange thing that we've got to figure out. How, how, how's God capable of doing that? Because we we've got these, these, these laws and these, we've got gravity at work and we've got aging in our body and all of these natural laws and elements and, and, and so how is it that an almighty God can do, do a miracle, opening the blind eyes, unstopping deaf ears, even in a spiritual sense, healing the brokenhearted? Those things are natural. People are born with deaf ears. People are born blind. People develop 
conditions as they age and, and, and the world would say, well, 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 this is just a part of life. As much as I hate it, this is just a reality that, that, that we're all under this authority. You know, eventually I'm going to age. Eventually I'm, 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 I'm going to begin to develop conditions and, and issues that, that, that are just realities of the issues of life. But the reason that the Lord is capable of healing us is because the Lord doesn't exist within this jurisdiction. He was before it, and he shall be after it. And, and, and in fact, in that, he's the, in that he is the creator of it, we don't have to explain through man's laws and man's ways, well, well, well who created God? The reality of it is nobody had to create God because you're assuming creation mandates a creator. And, 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 and under this jurisdiction, that is so. But under that jurisdiction, God just is. Hallelujah. So I'm not trying to explain it away through, through, through laws and means of, of this world in this jurisdiction. My God exists outside of this world and outside of this jurisdiction. That, that's why he's an on-time God. Does that mean that he sets his clock and he's going to, right at the last minute, the clock's going to go off and I, I, I better help him out now? No. No, because God doesn't exist within time. If he existed within time, then we'd have to worry about, well, well it's too late. It's too far gone. My marriage, my relationship, my, my backslidden children. It, it, if I just would have known what I know now 10 years ago, if only I could have addressed it back then, maybe I could have preserved. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not under the construct of time. And, and so a God that is not under time doesn't have to abide by the linear model of time that you and I live under. Hallelujah. He sees, hallelujah, the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Hallelujah. He's the first, the last, the one that was and is to come. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. He, he, he sees it all. This is why that he could restore the years that the, the palmer worm and the canker worm and the caterpillar hath eaten. Hallelujah. Because while, while, while in our context we're saying, hold on, it's too late. I, I, I'm at the end of my rope. I, I'm running out of time. How many of us have experienced moments like that in our life that right at the moment that we needed it, maybe it was a check in the mail, maybe it was a phone call from a friend led by the Lord, hallelujah, maybe it was a miracle that happened in our life, and, 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 and many of us have, can testify tonight that we've experienced those sorts of things because God is not under our constructs, and he's not, he's not within, hallelujah, our earthen and limited capacity his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are higher than my thoughts who, who am I to ask how he's going to do it or when he's going to do it or what he's going to do or how he's going to make it work well, well God if here's my suggestion God Lord if you could just open up this door fix the issues with that person 
and, and help me over this issue. And in and, 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 and hindsight, we realize that if God would have done what we asked him to do, that it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have accomplished what God wanted to accomplish. And this is why that Jesus, when he teaches us how to pray, we weren't to just pray and, and say, all right, God, here's what I need you to do for me. And we were to bring our needs before the Lord in faith, believing, knowing that God would make a way. But, but we don't have the foreknowledge or the insight or, or, or the, 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 the vision of the future that God has to be able to say, okay, God, here's what you need to do. And people struggle with that because they get in situations in their life that they're asking God for things and, and God is providing, God is answering, but God's not doing what we've asked him to do. I don't want God to do what I've, what I've asked him to do. I, I want God to do what he knows in his knowledge, in his foresight. Pa- Pastor Urshan talked about the seven eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. There, there's a God that sees things that I can't see. There, there's a God that in his seven eyes and in his seven spirits, he, he's able to see elements and, 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 and roadblocks and issues that you and I would never be capable of knowing or down the road and so when I pray I pray our father who is in heaven hallowed be thy name I I, I pray that he would give us this day our daily bread I don't I don't I don't worry about tomorrow I don't I don't have preference of how God's going to give me my daily bread or you know we we find in we find that the children of Israel kind of fell into this trap that, that in their fleshly hunger and, 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 and even in their pride, God was providing manna every single day. But they got this appetite for something else. And, and, and so they said, God, this manna stuff's nice. We, we really appreciate it. But God, if you could just, if, if you could just maybe give us some meat, it, it would be real helpful. We've been eating the same thing every day for a long time now. If you could just help us out a little bit, here's what I think would be good, God. Here's what I think you ought to do. And in this pride of really believing that they knew what was right, God did what they asked. And they became so full and so sick on that meat that they begin to become violently ill and, 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 and full of infirmity because they really believed that they knew what God should do. And, and, and they based what God should do based upon their own desires. Hallelujah. But I'm not basing what God should do upon my desires. I'm asking God to take my desires and make my desires his desires. Let, let, let his will be done and his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. When I'm praying, give us this day our daily bread, I'm not telling the Lord, Lord, put the bread in, set it at 350, give it 30 minutes to rise and bring it out and put a little salt on it and and sit me a side of butter. I'm saying, God, you know what I need. God, you know what it takes to sustain me. Lord, you know what my family needs. You know what I'm struggling with. And you're more than able. You're able to provide. You're able to make a way. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. 
we, we, we find that, that as the children of Israel are, 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 are first fleeing Egypt in this exodus experience, that, that they're being chased by, by Pharaoh and his armies, by, by, their, by their captors, by the ones that had kept them bound and enslaved. And, and, and up to this point, they were under Pharaoh's jurisdiction. In fact, this is why that they refused. You know, Pharaoh tried to pull a fast one on them. He said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a chance to go out and to worship, and you're going to take a three days journey, go out there, worship, do your thing, come back, we'll put you back to work, and, 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 and that'll be it. We're going to give you a chance to get far enough away from your bondage that you feel free and you can even lift your hands and worship, but it's just a short journey right back to my bondage. And, 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 and that was not the will of God for them, ladies and gentlemen. It was the will of God to take them out of that jurisdiction and out of that land and put them in a promised land that God had for them. L let me put that today in our modern vernacular. It is not the will of God to set me only so far from my past and only so far from my sin that I come into the house of God and I lift my hands and I sing and I can have a couple moments of freedom and I return right back to the fear and right back to the bondage and right back to the addiction and right back to the pain and right back to the sorrow and right back to the suffering. That's not the will of God. He's got a promise for his people. And so they're, fleer, they're, they're fleeing their, their persecutors and they find themselves at a sea and, and God moves on, on Moses and he stretches out a staff and the Lord parts the waters and they walk through on dry ground and when they get to the other side, the waters come crashing back down on Pharaoh and all of his armies. Every chariot, every horse, every short sword, every shield, every bow and every bowman, every spear and every spearman was left in that water and the water came closing back and they were free on the other side. Let me tell you what happens when we're baptized in the precious name of Jesus. I'm not taking a th just a couple days journey from my bondage. I I'm not just stepping far enough out that I can worship on a Sunday and go back to how I was living on a Monday. The, the Lord has taken me through a water that when I get to the other side and come up in the name of Jesus that Pharaoh, his armies the bondage that's held me bound up to this time, it doesn't have jurisdiction on me it doesn't have authority over me it can't keep me enslaved or keep me bound I once was blind, but now I'm free. There's a, there's, a, there's a famous plaque on the Statue of Liberty, and, and it's been so heavily influenced by, by Scripture that, that when you read it, it, it almost has this ring to it that is so familiar to us as believers. And, and as that, that Statue of Liberty overlooks the water where, where immigrants would, would come in and, and come for a new life. And, and they would pass by that, that, that woman with the, the golden torch, that watchman of, of, of America, that, 
that representation of freedom. There was a, there was a plaque on her, and, and the plaque read, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And, and as people would, would come to Ellis Island in hopes of a new life and in hopes of a new path, they could look upon those words penned that would give them hope and that would tell them, whatever followed you here, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You might have been poor over there. You might have been broken over there. You might have been in bondage over there. But when you get here, you're free. You can start a new life. You've got a new name. You have a new identity. You have a new opportunity. And, and, and so people have, have, have risked life and limb to get to America in hopes that, that they could get to this place. And America's not perfect, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not preaching a, a, a political gospel tonight. And I'm not telling you that, that, that America is, is the equivalent of what the sanctuary is. But, but I'm telling you in parallel tonight that, that in that same way that people have fleed to America in hopes of freedom and in hopes of refuge and in hopes of new identity, God gives us an opportunity that we can step into to his presence and whatever kept us bound over there it doesn't matter here whatever we were identified as we're not identified as that here whatever name we held there we don't got to hold the same name here in fact I can have a new name and a new life and a new family he puts the solitude in families he puts the name upon our lives he sets us free hallelujah he, he, he raises us from the dead and, and gives us new life and new hope and new opportunity this is what the presence of the Lord offers us and 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 this is a beautiful sanctuary this is a beautiful building and edifice that that we are celebrating over these few weeks and 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 people have worked and labored I I don't know all the names I don't know all the people I, brother brother Hatfield took me around and was showing me the audio and video and lighting equipment and 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 I'd call my father-in-law from North Carolina and say how's the project going along and and I've talked to Brother Kovach and, and others that have been involved in planning and preparation and, and systems for this new facility and, and, and washed windows with Brother Jordan and, and Brother Saunders in preparation of everybody coming to this new facility. That's all good. That's all great. But, but we've got a sanctuary to build. And when people run into this house, this, this isn't a completed sanctuary. This isn't a completed work. People are going to run into this house that have been caught in the end the act of adultery and, and there's going to be people ready to stone them and we've got to be like Christ and say he that is without sin cast the first stone where are thine accusers hallelujah when people run into the house of God for sanctuary and for refuge I'm not condemning them I'm pulling them up and saying you can be saved you can be set free you can be made new you can have a new name you can have a new life you can have a new identity I'm not looking across the aisle and saying, do you know what they've done? Do you know who they are and where they've been? 
I'm glad they're in church today, but I can just about guarantee you I know what they were doing on Friday night. No, no, that's not the language of the people of God. That's not the culture of this sanctuary. That's not the identity of the house of God. This is a place for the bound. This is a place for the accused. This is a place for the broken. This is even a place for the guilty. But I'm thankful that while I'm guilty and while I was yet in sin, Christ died for me. He didn't need me to be perfect. He didn't need me to be innocent. He did not need me to be without guilt. He needed me to be humble. He needed me to repent. He needed me to surrender. Give him a chance to work. Give him a chance to wash my sins. Give him a chance to forgive me. God's not looking for our perfection. I've talked to far too many people that have said, I'll come to church when I get some things right. Never forget 850 Delphi Avenue in Frankfort, Indiana, my, my father's church in the former building. A backslider, we hadn't seen them in a long time. At one time, he was a new convert on fire for God. And he, he showed up randomly, walks in, wasn't service. There were just some of us there that were working. And he came in to say hello. And we had a conversation. You could see the, the weight of sin that was pressed upon his shoulders. The demeanor was different than what we had known him as. You could see visibly, you could see a bondage that was gripping him. And we were pleading with him in love and in mercy, come back. Come on, just, just, just come, come this Sunday. Let me, let me save you a seat. Can we, can we make something happen? I'll take you to lunch after church. We'll, 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 whatever we can do, please come. And he put his head down and said, no, I, there's, there's a couple things I got to get right first. We said, no, no, you've got it all wrong. We don't get right to go to God. We go to God so we can get right. And, 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 and you don't need to worry about what you've done or where you've been. Just come back. Just come lay your life down on the altar. Just come, sir. And he said, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I, I can't embarrass God. I, 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 I can't neglect God's grace in the way that I have. I, I, I've done so much. I've been to so many places. I, I can't go back there. and I, I'm, I'll be a hypocrite. And, 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 and people will see me calling on God, but, but the truth is, is if they just knew where I've been and what I've done, and, and we pled with him and told him, no, you've got it all wrong. This is a safe place. Come and call on God. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's staring at you. Nobody's wondering about your past. They're here for you. They love you. They're praying for you. And we're all in a pursuit of God together. And, 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 and we kind of toiled back and forth. It was an argument. It was all in love. He left there that day, and he got on his motorcycle, and it was a week later that we would find out that in absolute desperation, deep and dark depression, and feeling absolutely hopeless, like he, he just couldn't get himself together. He, he went into the middle of an intersection in his vehicle, and he shot himself. And another vehicle came down the road and hit his car. And it took days for them to figure out if it had been a suicide or if it had been that he just died in a car accident. 
And eventually they figured out that it was desperation. That, that he was so desperate thinking, I've got to get myself together. And then I can come back to God. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. Maybe I'm talking to somebody that's not even in this room. Maybe I'm talking to somebody online, but I'm telling you tonight that don't wait. Don't, don't wait to get yourself together to come to God. Don't worry what somebody's going to think when you rush to this altar. I, I don't care if you've been in church one year, one week, one day, or one decade. I, I, none of that matters here. There, there, there's no hierarchy here. We're, we, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death, and we all deserve it, but he died the death that I was supposed to die, and I can be set free in him. I'm going to come to a close quickly tonight if the musicians would like to begin to come. Just, just across the road from my house and right down the street, there's a, there's a questionable home. You see, I live, I live in Durham, North Carolina, city limits. And in city limits... I'm sure you all know around here that um, your grass can only get so high. Your paint can only peel so much. You can only have so much debris in the yard before somebody comes knocking at your door or sending a letter. And, and there's this home that's across the street from mine and, and right down the road where the trees are grown up and uncut. In fact, Duke Energy comes by on a regular basis and people get upset because they cut their tree limbs off and cut them off at the road. And, but, but this house, it's never touched. In fact, the bushes are grown up. I, I remember one night taking my, my little 14-pound dog who thinks he's a Rottweiler. I took him out one night and, and out of this whatever you call it, this grown-up yard, this, this forest in the middle of town, a few coyotes came out. And, and where I live, it's not normal in the city like that to see coyotes. But, but, but this property is, is backed up to, to more protected property. And so though somebody lives there, the, 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 the limbs are grown out, the bushes grown up, the grass grown long, and as I wondered about it, I drove by one day and I saw a little two-inch plaque. And that little plaque said that this is a protected sanctuary. And I realized that whatever loophole that they had found, how, whatever process that they had gone about registering, they weren't under the same jurisdiction we were under. They didn't have to worry about grass. They didn't have to worry about the tree limbs getting cut. They didn't have to worry about any of that because they had registered their home as a sanctuary. And, 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 and all the time we see squirrels and birds and wildlife and deer and, 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 and just all sorts of creatures and beings that will come out of this yard and cross the street and go into other parts. And, 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 and under this, this sanctuary protection, they're right smack in the middle of the city of Durham. I'm talking just a few miles from, from, from Duke University and, and skyscrapers and apartment buildings and office complexes. 
it, it, it's a, it, it looks like it doesn't even belong there. But they're under a different jurisdiction. And when you step foot onto their, their property, you're not in Durham, North Carolina anymore. You're in protected sanctuary lands. And, and, and tonight, as I look out across this congregation, we, 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 we've got a world out here that, that, you know what, if we were in the world and of the world, we'd have a lot to be afraid of. If we, are, if we were in the world and of the world, then, then, then I, I've got perfect reason to fret about politics and fret about who's in office and fret about what law is going to be passed and what, what people are going to do and the way that the society is going. And, but I don't have to worry about any of that because just like that house is right in the middle of Durham, but it's not of the city of Durham, we are in this world and we are not of this world. We're, we're in the middle of this jurisdiction, and there are a lot of people bound under this jurisdiction, but I serve a God that is Lord of lords. I, I serve a God that is King of kings. There is no higher authority. There is no governance above my God. My God is not, uh, he's not under time. He's not under constraints. He's not under laws of this universe. Our God is more than able. And he can forgive you. If, you. if this is your first time tonight or if you're new here or if you're watching online, this is a sanctuary. You can run into this place and cry mercy. You can run into the presence of the Lord. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's talking about you. Nobody's looking at your past and what you used to be and what you used to do. I can come into the presence of the Lord and find safety. Stand with me across this room tonight. I want us to lift our hands to the Lord right now. God is calling unto somebody, and God's telling you, you can come in here and be free. You can get freedom tonight. You don't have to leave here bound. You don't have to leave here under the same jurisdiction. You can leave here with hope. Come on, open up your mouth tonight. And I want you to call unto the Lord with your own voice. Lord, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you. We don't deserve it. You don't owe it to us. In fact, if anything, Lord, we, we, we deserve the wage of sin. We don't deserve to come into this place and be free. We don't deserve to have a new name put upon our life. But God, we are so grateful. And we are so thankful that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now I'm asking tonight that some people that have never been filled with your spirit, God, that your spirit would enter into hearts and lives and that there would be people under the sound of my voice tonight that would experience liberty for the very first time. God, we're not going to leave this place bound. We're not going to leave this place bruised and broken. There's liberty in your house. There's liberty in your presence. Come on, I want us to praise the Lord and give him a hand clap of praise in this place. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm, I'm going to make a call tonight. This is not based upon how long you've been in church. This is not based upon whether you're a new member or founding member, whether you've been here a long time or a short time. But, but we all need sanctuary. We all need a safe place for ourselves and our families, a place where we can be authentic with God, a place where we don't have to carry in brokenness from the past, a place that, that those haunts and, and nightmares don't have to follow us, a place where we can, we can safely worship the Lord. Every single one of us need that. 
And so I'm inviting you tonight to come to the front of this room and find a place, a place where nobody's looking at you, a place where nobody's worried about you, a place where nobody's accusing you, a place of sanctuary. Maybe it's right where you're at. Maybe it's kneeling down and finding a pew, or maybe it's coming to the front of this room. But I want every single one of us under the sound of my voice to find a place that we can begin to call on the name of the Lord. We need his freedom tonight. We, we, we need to create a place of safety and refuge here at Free of Life Church. This is a beacon of hope in Cincinnati. And we've got to create a place that people can run to, that broken and bound people can find freedom. Come on, lift up your voice tonight as they begin to sing. We're going to find a place to talk to God. This is a safe place. This is a secure place. This is a sanctuary tonight. Come on, let's begin to call on the Lord as they sing.
thankful for the sanctuary how many are thankful for his presence 
I don't know if you know this or not, but this is holy ground you're standing on. And the king is all-powerful in this place. What you came in with doesn't have any authority here. The affliction you came in with has no power here. That sickness that you brought in here, it has no authority in this place. I'm here to tell you the king reigns supreme here in this place and in your mind and in your heart. I'm so thankful for the God that we serve. I'm so thankful for the God that we serve. Thank you so much, for Brother Jordan, for pouring out your heart to us. Thank you. You preach so eloquently to us this evening, and we will not soon forget it. Amen. Thank you all for being here in the house of the Lord this evening. Don't forget what you heard here today. Take it with you. Dwell on it. Think about these things. Be back with us this Sunday. Bring somebody with you to the house of the Lord. Be blessed tonight.